Hey Church, welcome to 4th of July weekend that we are celebrating here as a church family. And it's kind of tradition for us now. It's actually been the last two to three years that every 4th of July as we celebrate the independence of America, we invite our dear friend, Clive Urquhart, who is British. I don't know if we do it to just kind of uh, uh, punish him a little bit or celebrate with him a little bit or just the irony of it all, but we love having him every year and it just so happened to work out that every year he's with us is 4th of July weekend. So I want you to open your heart to the message that he's going to share with our church family today. We're going to take one week off of our study on the book of Galatians and we'll jump back into that next week. And then after service today, let Clive know that he did a great job and then just give him a little bit of a hard time for uh, the independence that we get to celebrate today, that we are no longer British. Clive, I love you, and I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, what a great welcome, eh? Uh, it's great to be here with you guys. Um, it's so good to uh, just to celebrate, okay, freedom as a nation, but the freedom that we have in Christ and what it really means to be a believer. Uh, we love coming over, spending time with you guys, uh, especially as uh, we have family here. Joe, who was drumming this morning, is our eldest son, married to Jess, who I think is out in the cafe with um, growing family. And uh, so we're here because they had their second daughter about six weeks ago. So we've had a few cuddles and filled the love tank a little bit, <laughs> which has been great. And it's great just spending time with John and Barbara and just staying with them and just being family together. And uh, so we're having a great time and we've actually had better weather in the UK this week than you've had here, than we've had here. We came here to get some sun and we've had people texting us saying it's been 31, 32 degrees, it's amazing, which is like off the scale for us in England. That's centigrade, which means about 90 Fahrenheit. You guys don't do centigrade, do you? You need to catch up with the modern times over... Things are moving on over the other side of the world. You just need to catch up a little bit. Okay, before we get into the message this morning, I thought I'd just have a go at you because Aaron's introduced was like, you know, he's a Brit, he's an idiot, he's a, you know. Um, okay, before we get into the message, just want to just communicate a little bit how you as a church have really impacted our church and the impact that you're having with other churches uh, beyond here in other countries as well. Many of you have probably been through freedom over the last few years. Some of you might have been through more than once. And about three years ago, Pastor Aaron said to me, he talked to me about freedom. He said, why don't you come over and, and have a look and, and see what it's all about? So about uh, two years ago in your May uh, weekend, I came over with one of my team and we, we had an amazing time, really met with God as well in our own lives. And we went back and said to our guys, we, we need to get hold of this freedom stuff and we need to build it into the culture and the life of, of our church. So the following December after that, we brought 10 people from our team uh, here. And again, everybody came back saying, right, we've got to get this going. So we started going through the curriculum. And then the following May, so just over a year ago, 13 months ago, you guys sent a team of 13 that, that Steve and Kathy led and to really help us do our first Freedom Weekend. And it was a powerful, powerful time. Uh, since then, we've now just had our third uh, semester of Freedom, done the third weekend uh, a month ago, which was, again, the most powerful out of the three. 
And each time we've had just over 100 people in the church going through uh, freedom. And uh, that's kind of being built into the culture and ramping up in the life of, of the church. And then um, these guys got in contact with us and said, look, we, we know a church in South Africa in Cape Town who want to do freedom. Would you just chat to them about what you're learning and, and how you're building that into your church just to kind of help them in, in that point of view? Well, after a few conversations, it kind of led to 14 of their leaders coming to our Freedom Weekend last month. And, uh, and then three weeks later, 10 of our team went down to Cape Town to help them with their first Freedom Weekend, which I think is amazing. And, and then there were other pastors from other churches in Cape Town that were at the Freedom Weekend in Cape Town. As a result of that, those pastors have said to the pastor who hosted it, we'd like to do freedom in our church. So now that pastor is talking with those pastors as to how they can also begin to, to do freedom. So just from, from what God's doing with you guys and that conversation with Pastor Aaron a few years ago, that's led to not only our church being impacted by what God's doing here, but also there's churches in, in Cape Town that are also being and going to be impacted because of what God's going to do. The, another thing is we, are also, we have a network of churches in the UK that are part of Kingdom Faith, our church. And we're, we're all just beginning to work with some of those pastors who also want to do freedom in their churches. And then they'll join with us for the Encounter Weekend, the Freedom Weekend. So I, I think let's thank God for what he's doing, shall we, in terms of... really important, you know, because it's very easy to kind of turn up here on a Sunday at 9.30, be here for an hour and a quarter or so, and then go home, and yeah, that was great, that was good, the worship was this, the preach was that, and I like the church, I don't like this, that, and the other. But actually, there's a much bigger picture going on of what God is doing, and how you, what God is doing here is impacting other places. Maybe people you'll never meet, uh, but what God is doing here is going beyond just Carlsbad and the region. It's going into other nations and other continents. So, you want to just keep that in mind in terms of what God is, is doing. So this morning's message uh, is called Living Strong. I know you guys have been going through Galatians over the last few weeks, and this is going to kind of help link in a little bit with that, uh, maybe some other kind of angles with it. But we're going to uh, really look at how do we stand strong in the things of God not only for ourselves, but then how do we see breakthroughs in our own lives and then a break out of God through our lives that is going to impact other people. We live in a culture these days, in a society that, that primarily doesn't believe what God's word is. They don't necessarily believe in God in terms of having a relationship with him. Many people are living their own lives, their own lifestyle, got their own philosophies, belief systems and everything else that goes with it. And increasingly, it's challenging to live as a Christian, as a believer, in the culture and the society that we live. There are laws being changed and being made, not because the government decide they want to make those laws. A lot of laws being, uh, that are being made are because of how people are living and the pressure that those people are putting on government to make laws to fit the lifestyle that people want to live. And much of what is going on is contrary to the kingdom of God and a kingdom lifestyle. It's contrary to how God wants us to live our lives and how he's so uh, amazingly put out in the Bible for us to live. 
And so we want to know how to not just stand and make it through. I've made it to the end of my life and it's been okay. But how does God want us to shape and influence and turn the tide of a godless society? How does he want us to impact the world around us through our lives? So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 13. And uh, when I say let's have a look, most of you probably haven't got Bibles with you, have you? Most of you probably look at it. Just to let you know, by the way, this is a Bible. And uh, it has pages in it. There's writing. And um, God wrote the Bible. And it's an instruction book as to how we know him, how to live our lives. It's just, just letting you know, it's Bible. Everybody say Bible. Okay, brilliant. Great. You guys are really full on. Okay, so most of it will come up there just because we live in a we'll do it for you culture uh, instead of... You know, dig into the word and find it out yourself. Okay, so Matthew 13. Um, it's called the parable of the weeds. It is positive what comes out of this. It doesn't sound that positive as a title. So Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and this is what he says. Jesus told them another parable. So Jesus, most of what he said was parables, telling stories in a way to make a point to help people understand the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And Jesus, what I love about his teaching is so often he doesn't quite dot all the I's and cross all the T's. He says enough to create a hunger and an interest where the people then say, I want to know more. What did he mean by that? I want to go and find out uh, you know, what else he wants to say to help me know God or connect with God. And, and uh, I think we need to live our lives in a culture where we don't stand on a soapbox telling people what all the answers are, but the way we live our lives actually tell a story and attract people to an inquisitiveness where they say to us, um, and why do you live like that? And, and what is it that kind of uh, shapes your life? And, and how come your marriage is so good? Why are your kids like the way they are? And all this kind of stuff. So we want to live our lives in a way that, that is attractive in the right way uh, to the world because of what God is doing in our lives. So Jesus told this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Just that statement alone, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is good. Everything you're going to receive from the kingdom of heaven is good. And so he says here, a man sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds. In the King James Version, or the New King James Version, instead of weeds, the word there is tares. It's a more accurate um, word to use there, a more accurate translation. They sowed tares. Now, what is a tear? A tear is actually false grain. So the, good, the, good, the, the guy who owned the field, he put wheat in his field, but then somebody else came and sowed false grain, a false um, seed in there. And we understand that we live in a culture today that doesn't fully believe the word or the truth of God's word. So contrary to the truth of God's word are many other false grains or false truths or false teachings or lifestyles, philosophies, belief systems that are out there that try and undermine the culture and the society that we live in so that when we begin to talk about God and who he is and how he wants us to live, people say you're out of date. That's not relevant today because we're now locked into a different philosophy, a different way of thinking, a different culture. And so it says here that while everybody was sleeping, an enemy came and sold, sowed false grain or truth among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, 
Then the weeds or the false grain or the false truth appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds or where then did the false grain or where did the false truths come from? And he replied, an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples then came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is to the son of man is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. That's you and I, believers in God. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. That's those that don't know Jesus yet. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. So Jesus here is, is given a parable that's not just talking about the now. He's talking about having an eternal mindset. There's something beyond the now. And so he's saying basically how you live your life determines what's going to happen after you live your life. And so he's speaking about an eternal mindset, not just a temporal mindset. Okay, How many of you in your lives have ever been through something where you pray, God, please get me out of this? Anybody ever prayed that? Or was it just me? All right. Please, Jesus, just get me out of this. And, and what this parable is talking about and what Jesus is basically saying is, look, there might be the challenges of life that go on. So the wheat is wanting to grow to, to, bear, to, to produce a harvest. But there are other things going on that are trying to squeeze the life out of the wheat or, or the stalk and then the wheat so that it cannot produce what it's supposed to produce. And often in our lives, what we want God to do is wave the magic wand and just get us out of something straight away. But often what God wants to do, he wants to reveal who he is in the middle of the storm so that we then know him in a deeper way. Our lives are more rooted in who he is so that when the next challenge comes after coming through the one you've just come through, you deal with it in a different way than you did before because you know him in a more revealed, real way. So instead of coming to something maybe with fear or apprehension, or the circumstances, or a diagnosis about uh, your, your physical well-being, or something that might want to overcome you. Instead, you deal with it in a different way, because you've had a revelation of who he is, and the reality of who he is in a different way, because you've been through a storm, you've met him in the middle of it, he's brought you through the other side, and you now have a story that reinforces your faith, but also a story that reveals who he is to other people. Are, are you with me? And so when, when I read this, I thought, I thought hang on, so, so why did Jesus say, I'm going to leave, you know, leave the weeds, leave the tares, leave the false truth there? Why not deal with it? Why leave it there? Well, in a wheat field, apparently, uh, when the wheat is growing, what the weeds try and do is they try and wrap themselves around the wheat to try and squeeze the life out of the wheat so that the grain in the head uh, isn't healthy and then ultimately dies and there's no harvest. Okay, But what the wheat, the stalk does, when, when the weeds try and squeeze the life out of it, 
But the stalk goes deeper to find more life, more nutrients, more strength, so that it can resist the, the, the weeds around it crushing the life out of it. And so what actually happens when the, 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 the stalk goes deeper, strength comes up into the stalk, and the grain in their heads become more healthy and stronger so that there's a much better harvest. And really what Jesus is saying in this parable is, hey, there might be stuff that's going on around you. I'm not just going to remove it or remove you out of it. What I'm going to do is I want you to go deeper in me. I want you to get a hold of me in the middle of that so that you know how to resist temptations. You know how to resist the challenges of the day. So you know how to overcome the storms that might want to overcome you so that you come through the other side in victory knowing me in a stronger way, but then also testifying with a story that says, this is who God is because this is what he's done in my life. And nobody can take away the testimony that you have of who God is. Amen. So what does it say in James 1 verses 2 to 4? You're going to love this. It says, consider it pure joy, brothers. So rejoice whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you love doing that? So what is James saying? He's saying, rejoice, don't moan, don't complain, don't get upset, don't get bitter. When challenges come your way, rejoice, consider it pure joy. Why? Because you know the testing of your faith is going to develop perseverance. That's one of the characteristics we need more in our lives as Christians, in our culture. Our culture is so quick fix, you know, if I pay a pound or if I put a dollar down, I want to win millions in the lottery. We want it quick. We want it easy. People say, what's the fastest way to be successful? What's the quickest way to get rich? What's the fastest way to be famous? We live in a celebrity culture where everybody wants to be famous and they want it now. They want everything easy as possible. But yet there's something about the Christian life that isn't just a quick fix. There's something called perseverance. And perseverance, verse 4, says, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So God doesn't take us out of situations or he doesn't just remove the challenge. He wants to reveal himself in the challenge so that we walk with him and he walks with us to come through the other side having a victory over whatever it was that we needed victory over, so that we then have a story of who he is, which develops character in us, perseverance in us, so that when the next thing comes our way, we stand there and we go, no, I'm not going to come under that. I can see that before it hits me, and I'm going to get ready to overcome it before it tries to overcome me. A few years ago, uh, I had, uh, this is quite a few years ago, I had some respiratory stuff going on, and uh, I went to the doctor, and, uh, and uh, he said to me, he said, oh, you're an asthmatic. Because of what's going on in your chest and your breathing, you're an asthmatic. You need to go to the chemist, you need to get this inhaler, and you need to get some other things that you're going to take. And you'll probably need to take them for the rest of your life. Now, I had a choice at that moment as to what am I going to do with what he has just spoken, not just to me, but in one sense, what he's speaking over my life. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could either sit there and go, oh, right, I'm an asthmatic. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. And I could easily then go from his office, go and get some medication, and then start confessing over my life, I'm an asthmatic. 
Or in that moment, what I actually did is I sat there and he said, Clive, you're an asthmatic. On the inside, I didn't say this to him, obviously, but I said it on the inside. Um, I said, I don't, I'm not accepting that. I do not, I'm not receiving that I am an asthmatic. That's not who I am. That's not my identity. Now you might say, oh, come on, Clive, he's, he's telling you what the facts are. Well, the facts might be that I had asthmatic symptoms in my body, but the truth of God's word says that Jesus is my healer and he's my health, and I can take a hold of that truth. And as I take hold of that truth, that truth is more powerful than the facts. And therefore, the truth, as I appropriate them by faith, can overcome the facts, so the facts then change to line up with the truth. Are you there? That's why we have the truth in our lives, because the facts will scream something at you and say, that's the reality. But then what we do is say, no, 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 I'm not going to let the weeds or the tears or, or the facts choke the truth of who God is and what he says into my life. Instead, I'm going to take hold of the truth and what he says, appropriate that so that the truth then overtakes the facts and the truth becomes the reality, not the facts. Are you there? So I, I walked out of his office. And, uh, and I thought, right, what do I do then? Because I'm not receiving, I'm an asthmatic. I'm not having that over my life. And I'm certainly not going to take medication for the rest of my life. And so I was walking up the road to the chemist. And <clears throat> I went into the chemist. And I was still kind of, what shall I do? And I thought, well, I'll buy the stuff anyway. And, and so I got the stuff in a bag and started to walk home. And, uh, you know, you, you can actually walk home in England from the shops. <laughs> I know here you need to have a massive four-wheel drive truck or whatever you drive over here. Tanks, I call them. Just to get from the, sh the store, as you call it. It's a shop, okay? It's not a store, it's a shop. Back to where you live, you know? Why don't you just buy normal cars? I've got some thoughts here. I'm not going to go there, okay? Anyway, we'll stick to the message. Is that okay? Otherwise... Anyway, so, so I bought this stuff and then, then I got home and, and I put the stuff on the side because actually I, I was actually feeling a lot better by that point than I had first thing in the morning before I went to the doctors. And, and, and I thought, right, I, I don't want to take the medication. I don't want to get into that and just start saying, well, I better take it anyway. And I just said to the Lord, Father, I just thank you that you're my health and you're my healing. And I don't want to take that stuff. I want to live in the, the health of who you are in me. Because if you're the healer and you're in me, then the healing is already within me. Because you're within me. So I want to take hold of the truth of who you are and I want to be healthy. Well, the next morning I woke up and I actually felt totally fine. And I thought, right, I'm not, I don't need to take that stuff. Home. And I've, I never opened the bag. I never took any of that stuff. And from that day when I said I'm not receiving it, I've never had a breathing issue since that time. And so we have, we have a choice in our life, if I can put it this way, as stalks of wheat that want to have grain that is healthy to produce a harvest, we have a choice when challenges come our way, or opposition comes our way, or negativity comes our way, or the culture says you can't do that, can't believe that, can't live like that. We want to be ready to stand in, in the face of that. So let's have a look at 2 Samuel chapter 5. And we look at a story with uh, King David uh, and the Philistines, and appropriate this into our lives this morning. <clears throat> so, so, and it's linked with being that, that, that stalk of wheat and the grain in the head and becoming fruitful and, and effective. And God spoke to us as a church at the end of last year, 
And he said, 2018 is going to be a year of breakthrough and breakout in the church. And God spoke to me from, from the, I was just reading this one day uh, when I got up in the morning, just was spending some time with the Lord. And I started reading through 2 Samuel chapter 5. And when I started to read these few verses, God spoke to me and he said, Clive, this is for you and the church. This is about breakthrough and breakout in your own life and in the church for 2018. And so we, I, I told this to the church and, and had a message around it all and everything. And, and so we said, right, we're going to come into 2018. We're going to press into God in a fresh way. And like you guys, we, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. And I said to the church, right, we always have prayer and fasting, but let's not just treat this like any other year. Let's come into this year with a great expectation that God's going to do something new and fresh in every one of us during the three weeks we're going to be praying and fasting. And let's believe God for a fresh release of the Holy Spirit, a fresh breakout of whatever he wants to do in us, but also through us. We want to see more people saved in 2018 than we have before. We want to see a greater release of healings and miracles. We want to see more breakthroughs, more stories coming through of what God is doing amongst us and through us in, in, a, in the church. And so people kind of really got a hold of this and, and, we, and we've been pressing into God. But how many of you know, when you make a decision, I want to press into God in a fresh way. How many of you know that the enemy doesn't want that? And there's, there's often pushback from the enemy. And as we began to press into God during these 21 days, what began to happen, people were having breakthroughs and God was working and moving. But also what began to happen, we heard stories of children being ill and marriage issues coming up to the surface. And I know my own life, I had a back issue going on. And I'm like, well, I don't have that sort of stuff going on. And, and the enemy, when we push forward, he wants to push back. And, and even to the point where if you, if you get in pain or issues start rising up, you can then begin to think, well, hang on a minute, we're pushing into God and now some negative stuff's happening. Maybe we ought to not push forward because I don't really want all this negative stuff going on. And that's how the enemy wants us to think and to be. And, and instead, what do we do in those moments? No, if the enemy's going to push back, we're going to push back even harder because there's a breakthrough that's about to happen. There's something new that's about to take place in me, in us, and through us. So we're not going to give up because the enemy doesn't like it. Are you there? So let's have a look at what happened, in because this is linked with what happened with David. So when the Philistines, verse 17, heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. So David had been anointed by Samuel a few years before uh, that he was one day going to become king. But then this was the moment where he actually became king. And the Philistines understood, hang on a minute, David is now the king. He's going to have the full force of the army and the nation behind him. So before he becomes too powerful, let's take him out. Let's deal with him once and for all and get rid of him. And uh, that's what the enemy wants to do in our life. You make a decision and say, God, I want to know you more. I want to press into you more. I want to see you do more in my family, in my workplace, or in and around my life. You begin to push into God in that way. And the enemy will want to try and come against you to try and, to try and push you, you back. So what did David do when he heard the Philistines were coming to get him? It says he went down to the stronghold. He went down to the place of refuge, the place where he prayed and inquired of the Lord. Because then it says here, now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. Now the valley of Rephaim is where the Nephilim were from, the giants in the land. So really it, that means the valley of the giants. How many of you know the devil loves to try and intimidate us? He, tries to, he spreads himself out to make himself look more intimidating than he actually is. 
He tries to make himself look like the mountain and God the molehill. Whereas actually it's the other way around. The enemy is the molehill in relation to the mountain of who God is in our lives. Does anybody believe that in here? Okay. And so he, they spread themselves out in the Valley of Rep to try and intimidate. But David's inquired of the Lord, gone to the stronghold, because he knows his victory is not going to be in his army. His victory is going to be in who God is in the situation. And so he, know, he knew, I need to hear something from God. So he went to the God and said, God, what are you saying? Shall I go up and uh, defeat them, attack them? And God in this scenario says, go for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal-perazim and there he defeated them. And he said, as the waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal-perazim. So firstly, David went to the stronghold. What's the first thing we need to do when God speaks? We need to believe what he says. What's the point of saying, God, what are you saying? That when he speaks, we don't believe what he says. But when we believe what he says, we then act upon what he says. So when God speaks in the middle of a situation, something changes on the inside of you. See, God's word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it divides between soul and spirit and every thought and attitude of the heart. So when there's a challenge that comes your way, when there's facts that are saying something, or there's a negativity going on, or there's some oppression or depression, or stuff is not going well, there's an issue happening, and, and it's easy to come under those things. So why do we want to go to God? Because we want the living word to speak into our lives so that something different is going on in us so that we begin to not only speak something different, but we act differently in the circumstances because we've heard from God in the middle of the situation. Okay, And so this is what David did. He heard from the Lord. Faith rose up in him. He not only believed, but he did what God said. And what was the result? The Philistines abandoned their idols... And David and his men carried them off. So not only did they have a victory, but the things that the, the, the Philistines worshipped and, and their idols, they abandoned them as they fled. Now, the place that David had the victory was a place called Baal-perazim. The word Baal means the Lord. The word perazim means uh, where there's breakout. And so David knew he needed to go to the place called Baal-perazim because he knew, if I'm going to see a breakout of God, I'm going to, I need to go to the place where God has said to go to, to see him break out in that situation. So he went to the stronghold to hear from God, to know what God wanted to say and what God wanted to do. That's where, in one sense, he got the victory from God. But then he needs to go out to the place where God says, you're going to see the victory take place. So you might be praying for some unsaved friends and family. You might be, God, I want to see them saved. I want to see them come to know you. Well, maybe in the middle of that context, what's God saying to you? How does he want you to pray in that situation? God might give you a scripture. He might give you a story, a parable, or something in the Bible. He says, hey, this is what I want you to pray about, to, about your, your, into your family or whoever it is, your friends that you're praying for. And so when God speaks, faith is activated in. So you now begin to pray in line with God's word and you speak in faith and faith is rising up on the inside of you. 
And, and in the middle of that, God might say, why don't you invite him around for dinner? So you go to the stronghold to pray, but then there might be a place called Baal Perazim where you're going to see your friends or family members come to know him. It might be invite them around for dinner, buy them this, do this, take them out there. There's going to be a moment where you're going to see a breakout of God in that situation. But you want to go to the stronghold first to hear what God wants to do. So there's faith released for the situation. And when there's a breakthrough in your own life, like there was in David in the stronghold, there's then going to be breakthrough happening around his life. And the result of breakthrough around his life was the Philistines dropped all their idols because God was not just working with David. He was also overcoming what was going on in those around him. Why are we talking about this stuff today? Because we as Christians, we as believers, and in this church, one of the reasons you're doing freedom is because the world is not free. And God wants to bring his life and his freedom into the world, but he needs his body, his church, to be living free, to be free, in order to see freedom and life come into the world. Um, we're, we're, we're just beginning uh, to, to develop some... Things to, for guys, particularly in our church, uh, around dealing with um, pornography and sex addictions, because it's a massive issue in society. And some of the stats that we, we've read recently are that just over 60% of men in America uh, have some sort of porn or pornography or sex addiction, just in, in, in America. And it's just under 60% of guys in the church in America have some sort of pornography or sex addiction. So that's two out of every three guys. So you could say in this room, that two out of every three guys has some sort of issue with porn or, or, or some sort of sex addiction. It's like, wow. Now hopefully with freedom, that isn't going on to that degree. But if, if God wants to bring his life and his kingdom into the world then he wants to do it through a people that are living free, that have been set free, that are living in the power of who he is. And so we want to be living free in our lives, right? Amen. I listened to a message recently by somebody called T.D. Jake. Some of you might have heard of him. He's got a huge church in, in Texas. I think it's in Houston or Dallas. It might be in Dallas. And uh, he was brilliant message. It was for blokes. And, uh, but one of the points he was talking there was about men being the priest in the home. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And he said that one of the things about being a, a priest in the home is that you're a person of prayer. You know, you, you're taking authority over what goes on in your family, your marriage, your kids. And that, that, that as, a, as a husband, as a father, you're the front line. So if the enemy wants to try and take your family out, he's got to get past you first. And you're standing there saying, no, Charles, you're not having my family, so I'm the protector. I'm going to stand here and guard my family, and I'm going to be the priest in, in, the, in the home, in the house and everything. And, and he said, sometimes what goes on, when we abdicate that responsibility, he said, what we find is sin begins to get a hold of us in a certain way. And then we begin to talk about like sin's a bit of an issue. And, and he said this statement, I thought, wow, what a way to put it. He said, sin is not your issue. He said, lack of prayer is your issue, is your problem. And he said, because you've abdicated relationship with God and because you've abdicated plugging in with God and going deeper with God, you've allowed yourself to be attracted to other things. And now, therefore, now sin has become an issue because you've given yourself to something. Not because you had a problem with that in the first place. It's because there's a lack of prayer and a lack of being given over to God in your life. And I thought, wow. Now that challenges some of our culture even within the church, let alone the world, that we want things as easy as possible. 
And sometimes, you know, to press into God takes a bit of time. Takes a bit of perseverance, as we heard earlier, that develops character so that we mature and we lack nothing. And so in the middle of this, David understood, if I'm going to have a breakthrough, my trust has got to be in the Lord. Now, after that one victory, the Philistines didn't learn. It said once more they came up and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. They came back in the same way, spread out in the same way to try and do the same thing. How many of you know the enemy does that? He doesn't learn. We get a victory over him. He comes back and has another go. So what does, what does David do? Having had a victory over the Philistines, it would have been easy for him to say, right, I know what to do. We've just had a victory. Let's go and take them out and do the same thing. But he knew I can't put my trust in myself or my army. My trust needs to be in who God is because he's the victory and he's the one who's going to give me victory in this situation. And so David went back to the stronghold and he inquired of the Lord. And this time the Lord said to him, don't go up, don't go straight up. But instead, circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and he struck down the Philistines all the way to Gibeon and to Gizar. That's about 25, 30 miles. So David didn't just defeat them on the battlefield then. He completely routed them so they were completely defeated. So what was David doing? He believed what God said. He acted upon what God said. When we do that in our lives, God goes out in front of us and he deals with things on our behalf. So God doesn't just give us his spirit and then say, now try and do it in your own strength. He knows that we need his Holy Spirit in our lives to enable us to live as believers. Because the Holy Spirit enables. He's the one that gives us the power and the ability to actually be who we are as a child of God and a son of God. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to live in the way that God wants us to live. So when, when God spoke to David in the stronghold, a number of things took place. First of all, faith was released in his life. In relation to faith being released in him, he began to speak the same thing as God said. Well, if God has spoken that, then that's what is going to take place. So he said to his army, hey, God has told us to do this. As we do this, we are going to have victory. So when you hear from God in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a situation, what you find is your language changes. What comes out of your mouth changes. Your words change because sometimes when, when a diagnosis comes, you're not well, you're sick, you have this. Or there's an issue in your family or your marriage. Or there's the challenge in the workplace. Or even the, the, the culture of the day, the government do this, that or the other. It's easy to start moaning, complaining, becoming negative, getting upset, uh, getting angry or, or unforgiveness or bitterness in our hearts and lives. And, and we realize, and if you want to know in the middle of a situation, where am I at in terms of faith, just, just kind of rewind the, the recordings of the last few days of, of what's come out of your mouth and think, how have I been speaking about this situation? And that will help you to see, where am I at in relation to that? Because if we speak the negative, if we moan and complain, nothing's going to change. If we just focus on the facts and talk about the facts, then nothing's going to change. So what we want to be coming out of our mouths, because it's in our hearts, is what God's word says. 
this living and active word, because if that living and active word comes out of our mouth, things are going to begin to change around us because we're releasing life over our own lives, but also life over what is going on around us. So faith, what we believe we speak, but also what we believe we live. Whatever is in our hearts is expressed on our lips, and we also place our lives under the words that we speak. So I don't know about you guys, but I want to place my life under something positive, not negative. I want to place my life under the things that God is saying to me, because God only ever speaks life to me. God never says to me, Clive, you're an idiot. You're stupid, or whatever. He might say, hey, Clive, you need to listen to me a minute, because I've got some things to help adjust your thinking. But he'll do it in a way that grabs a hold of me, gets my attention, and I go, oh, right, okay, thank you, Father. And then, I, then the language changes, and instead of saying, oh, you're, you're not worthy, you're an idiot, or whatever, because the, the enemy's there as well, doing this all the time, isn't he? And I'm not joining in with that chorus. Instead, what's coming out of my mouth is, is different, because it, there's a conviction on the inside, because some, God has said something that's like, yes, that's who I am, or that's what God wants to do. And then we begin to not only speak differently, but act differently. As soon as we stop affirming the positive, we begin to come under the negative. There's so much negativity going on out there. It's like you're constantly having to fuel your life with the positive, with God's word, because there's so much negative out there. And so we want to affirm the positive, affirm the truth in our lives. So it's like, you know, when you've got kids and, and, and you're, you're kind of teaching them things when they're little and, uh, and they're there with their mouth full and they're trying to talk at the same time. You know what it's like, there's stuff spitting all out of their mouth, you know, all over their, their, whatever it is, their bib, the table or whatever. And you say, hey, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. You know, you don't have a go at them and, and you know, you say, right, hang on a minute, just finish what you're eating. Right, now what do you want to say, okay? And, and when their mouth is full of food, they can't actually say what they need to say. And if our lives are full of the circumstances, full of the negative, and we're chewing over all of that stuff, there's no room for what God wants to say to actually come out of our mouths. So what we want to do is we want to stop for a moment. We want to just say, right, I'm not going to continue chewing on the facts, on the circumstances, on the pressure, the challenge, the storm. I'm going to take a few moments, and I'm just going to, okay, Father, what do you want to fill my mouth with? What do you want to fill my heart with? Because what I want is the overflow of my mouth is not all that other stuff. I don't want there to be room for that. So if our mouths, our hearts, and our mouths are full of God's word and what he's saying about the situation, and therefore what we are then saying, there's then no room for the negative to come in. Amen. So let's have a look at um, John 16, verses 13 and 14. He says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit will only ever lead you to speak and to act positively. The Holy Spirit will never lead you and to, get, to say something or act negatively. It's just impossible. He will only ever lead you to act positively and speak positively. So when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. And he will bring glory to me by making what is mine, uh, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So the Holy Spirit is in us 
as the spirit of truth, the spirit of Jesus, to lead us and guide us in the truth so that we live in the power of the truth and not in anything else, any facts or circumstances or sickness or anything else. So God has called us to be overcomers, right? So if we summarize what, what God's saying to us this morning, there's a wheat field. There's his field, what he's working in. And each stalk of wheat represents each one of us. As we're that stalk of wheat, God wants the grain in the head to be healthy, to be strong, to be fruitful. But we know that there are challenges around our life, whether personally or the culture that we live in, that are trying to squeeze the life out of us. In the middle of all of that, we want to go deeper in God, not only so that we can stand and say, well, I'm okay, I'm surviving, but actually God wants us to thrive in the context of challenges. He wants us to see breakthrough where in the natural it doesn't look like breakthrough can take place. He wants us to see breaking out of his spirit in, his light, in us and around us in a way that doesn't look possible. And so because we are people of faith, we don't just look at things in the natural, we also take hold of faith, which is something supernatural, which is going to enable overcoming things to happen in our lives. Anybody agree with that? Let's jump to our feet, shall we? Let's all stand together. If the band can come up, that'd be great. Come out from your hiding place. That'd be brilliant. Just turn to somebody else and say, I needed to hear that this morning. Now, we want to speak life over our lives. Amen. Amen. How, many of you guys, how many of you guys take hold of the word every day and speak it over your life? How many of you do that? I want to encourage you. If you don't do that, speak the word over your life. If you've been through freedom, the confessions at the end of every session that there are, even if just use those. You don't have to do them all every day, but just take and confess the word and speak. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we want to speak the truth over our lives. Uh, the other morning during the week, um, I, was, uh, I just got up uh, and uh, I think the rest of my family were obviously still asleep. And, and I, I just wanted to pray for a bit. And, um, and I, you know, you get up some mornings and you, you, you're not, you don't, you're just like, well, here we go, you know, another morning or whatever. And, but I, I, I just worshiped the Lord for a couple of minutes, just thanking him for today and just, you know, and just telling him who he is and all that kind of thing. And then I thought, right, I'm just going to read something in the word. And, and we'd go, we have a, a thing in our church where we're reading through certain things together as a church. So I just got that out and I began to read it. And as I began to read the word, it was like something started to happen on the inside of me. And it was like, yes, this is who God is. And as I was reading it, it was like, yeah, this is who I am in relation to God. And just because I was feeding on the word, the living word, something just started to be, just stir up in me. And then I began to change in the way I was. And it was like, Father, I just thank you. Instead of it just being, Father, you're great this morning, you're Lord, you're King. Suddenly it went from there to suddenly like, God, you're awesome. You're amazing. I thank you that you are life-giving. And that was within about five minutes of, of just starting to spend a bit of time with him. That it went from, well, I'm gonna, you know, I just want to spend a bit of time with the Lord. And, and suddenly it's like, no, no, God wants a lot more intimacy than I you know, was expecting. And so we're going to speak some truths over our lives. Is that okay? Yeah. Because we want to confess the truth. Are you ready? So I'm going to just give you some stuff and then you can repeat it. But 
like I said in the, the 8 o'clock service earlier on, just sound like you have some conviction when you read, when you say this, all right? Okay? Rather than, you know, I am a member of the body of Christ. I am a member of the body of Christ. You know, just sound like you mean it, okay? And then what might happen is you, is you, is you just do it with some conviction. The rest of you, everything else in you might catch up and go, actually, this is what I believe. I do believe this, yeah. Okay? So you ready? I am a member of the body of Christ. And the devil's lies have no power over me. I will fear no evil, for God is with me. His word and his spirit, they comfort me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. The Lord is on my side. Therefore, I will not fear. My righteousness is of the Lord. And whatever I do will prosper. For I'm like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. And I am delivered from the evil of this present world. No evil will befall me. Neither will any plague or sickness come near me. For the Lord has given his angels charge over me. Okay, now before we do the next confession, I want you to just, anything that's going on, negativity, sickness, challenges, stuff that is, is the storms of life or whatever it might be. What we're going to do now, I want you just to give all those to the Lord. Tell, them, tell the Lord what they are. You don't have to go into a story of it. Just say, Father, there's this sickness. I'll give it to you. There's this circumstance. I'll give it to you. Here's this challenge. Here's this storm. Here's this relational breakdown. Here's this anger. All that. I just give it to you right now. I just hand it over to you right now. And what we're going to do, we're going to take hold of the word and we're going to confess the word and speak this and break the power of any of those things over our lives right now. Are you ready? As I say these things, you need to repeat them, but just do it and, and take hold of it. I take the shield of faith, take the shield of faith. and I quench every lie of the enemy. I take authority over every sickness that might be in my body. And I command my body, be healed. I command every oppression to lift off. Every depression, flee right now. Jesus, I thank you that you are my victory. That you are my health and my wholeness. And I praise your mighty name right now. That you are my victory. And that you are my life. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's shout and give him a shout of praise.